0: welcome to the GMC podcast, the place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. This podcast brings you the sermon series, Matthew, the teachings of Jesus Christ the King. There are five teaching blocks in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, who was one of Jesus' disciples previously been a tax collector, but was also a witness to the ministry and life of Jesus. In this first part of the series, we will take a look at the Sermon on the Mount. This is a keynote block of teaching in which Jesus introduces his listeners, and you and I today, to a new age that Jesus himself was heralding. In Matthew's writing, he Matthew draws the reader and the listener to see the evidence for themselves of the expected king, the Messiah who is Jesus, and asks you to understand both his identity and his authority as king. Jesus' ministry had already excited people in his time. He had drawn crowds and his teaching on the mount explains what it means to live under his kingly rule. So thank you for joining us on this podcast and over a nine week period we will encourage you to respond to God's word and challenge of Jesus Christ as we look at the Sermon on the Mount. But now before we hear the word of God, we will lead you in a time of prayer. Lord our God, this is the place where we may worship you. You have set your name here. Here in your presence our families shall rejoice. Because you have blessed us. Here we present to you the offering of our lives. Here we pledge our obedience to your laws. Here we pray for our children and our children's children. That we and they may do what is right. In your eyes, Lord our God, this is the place where we may worship you. O Lord, our God and King, in the morning we come to you as the sun rises. We offer you our prayers and we wait for you to answer. Through your great love we come into your house, we worship before you, we bow to you in reverence but you are not a God who is pleased with wrongdoing. You will allow no evil in your presence. You cannot tolerate the proud and you destroy those who live by violence or deceit. So this morning, great sovereign, and mighty Father, lead us to do your will. Make your way plain for us to follow. Help us to find peace in you alone To rejoice in you and sing for joy. Increase our love for you and so make us truly happy. Fill our hearts with joy. Bless us with obedience to you and let your love shield and protect us. O Lord our God and King, this morning we come to you. Amen. Following the time of prayer, I hope your heart is prepared to receive from God's word that you are open to be reached wherever you are today. If anything you hear from our preacher today, from the word of God and the sermon challenges you, may be raising questions, then please feel free to contact us. If you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or indeed answer questions of faith, we'd love to help you get to know the Lord and go deeper with him. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our Ministry for the Kingdom. If so, then please get in touch through our Contact Us page of our website, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Whatever you need, contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Now, over to our preacher. Uh, following on from Lee's uh where he finished at, uh, verse 18 of chapter six. I'm gonna pick up on verse 19 through to 34 of Matthew chapter six. Hear the word of God. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble of its own, enough trouble of its own. Amen, and we thank God for the reading of his holy word. To his name be praise and glory. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about the antitheses, those statements, you know, where Jesus would go, you have heard it said, and then he would say, but I say to you, and he was illuminating commandments, ways of understanding of the Old Testament and the law, and I thought that was really piercing of our hearts, What he's doing is elucidating, bringing deeper meaning to God's word. But also, what he was doing, he was showing that what our hearts are focused upon is what we love. How what is in our hearts really impacts who we are, how we live, what we do, it impacts our lives. And Jesus in his ministry is all about correcting wrong thinking. And he's always trying to direct our gaze to God. And this is all about the heart of the law of love. When we talk about the law, the law is always centered in God's love. And it's so, it's to love God, and if you remember, to love neighbor. That's what Jesus wants to concentrate our gaze upon and so today as we complete chapter six we find it's all about the outward living of that law of love. Jesus has been talking about our inward hearts but now he's talking about outward and once again the words are challenging. They were challenging to those Jesus was speaking to and challenging to us. The crowd before Jesus, remember where Sermon on the Mount here would have contained loads of people, of course, but from bi- different backgrounds, all different types of people, A bit like in front of me today. There'd be some wealthy folk. But there would be many living on the margins, scraping a living, living hand to mouth, day to day, scraping a living from what they could produce on the land so they could barter for what they didn't have, maybe save some of their seed for sowing the next season because if they, they sold it all or ate it all and turned it into food, what would they do in their next season? And then, of course, they need to put some aside to pay their taxes. Life was tough. Does that sound familiar for many today? Life's tough. Folks scraping by with rising energy costs, food, travel costs, all of that stuff. So I wonder how a passage like this goes down today. A passage where we're told not to store up earthly treasures, to not worry, don't worry, it's all good, God's got it. When you hear that, is your attitude that's may be easy to say but a lot harder to do when there's so much need around and so much to worry about. That may be understandable but really what the passage is is all about focus, our focus. Time and again Jesus asks where are you placing your gaze? What is your focus? Is your focus on the divine father, the creator? and in being creator, he is provider of all, or is your gaze elsewhere? Who or what is your priority in life? And so this first section in three short sayings essentially make all the same point. The first up is the difference between two types of treasure, earthly treasure or heavenly treasure. And often people think this is about laying up good things now for heaven. You know, having good attitudes, living well, living as God uh, wants you to. Showing that fruit of life in order that you have a good life beyond this one. The heavenly realm. But it isn't that. For if we know anything about God's grace, you can't earn it. Doing the good stuff now won't earn you that place in heaven. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ will. Eternal life with the Father is only through accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord. So heaven isn't beyond earthly life. Heaven is now. In fact, last week, Lee covered the passage where Jesus speaks those words and the words we've just shared together. In the Lord's Prayer with those lines, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. It's not something we're waiting for. The kingdom of heaven has come already in the person of Jesus. Sure, it's not complete. Heaven is not complete on earth until Jesus comes again. But it is here now. So Jesus in this saying is foremost prioritizing what is in your head. Is it wealth and possessions are really first and foremost in your mind now? And if so, you're losing sight of the kingdom, the values of God here and now. God is here now. So he's saying seek his heavenly treasure now. And you can't do that If you start to prioritize something other than God, it's all about answering this question How do we learn to live in the presence of the loving Father now? How do we learn to live in the presence of the living Father now? The second of these small sayings is about light and darkness and the eyes being the lamp of the body. I mean, what's that even mean? The eyes being the lamp of the body. It's in a sense it's picture language. Jesus paints pictures verbally. And it's all about keeping our eyes on God. It's not it's not finding some icon to pray to, but it's fixing them upon God. It's it's just like this idea of Where are you storing up your treasure? Is it earthly or is it heavenly? It's about your priorities. Where are your eyes fixed? What catches your gaze, so to speak? Are you in control of your eyes? Our eyes are a window into our minds. We process what we see and if we start to concentrate and see dark things, they enter our mind. Minds today are desensitised much more than when I was a kid to violence through films and media and TV and all sorts online stuff. Likewise, sexual brutality, adultery. So much stuff is normalised in society. Even if we don't really want to welcome it. I'm not a watcher of soaps, but... You know, whenever you see one advertised, it's always drama. Lots of dark drama. There are many things dark in our world that affect our society, and they come into us through our eyes, whether we are aware of it or not. And they adversely affect us, whether we're aware of it or not. For years. Um, I've suffered at times bad dreams, what you might call bad dreams, nightmares maybe. Um, They're often violent or have been. Often they're dark, I'm running, I'm attempting to avoid physical attack. Sometimes I don't run, sometimes in my dream I stop and fight back, I defend myself. Emma has to wake me up because I'm literally off the bed kicking and fighting. And in a sense, I, 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 there's two things. There's one, sometimes the nightclub I ran in London is in the scene. And so I have no date, a doubt a decade of running a nightclub, although in the 10 years I was never involved in a fight. My doorman wouldn't let me. They were always between me and the person. <laughs> who was threatening me for not letting them in for whatever. But there's also a sense of spiritual attack. The more I've followed the Lord, the more I feel I come under attack. And so what's the answer to those dark dreams? The answer is to the darkness that has entered my mind through years of working do you know when I ran, before a nightclub, I used to run a, run a uh, restaurant in Shepherd's Bush on Gold Hawk Road, not far from the BBC TV centre. It's a real, it's an edgy area, you know, there's rich people, but there's drug dealers and all sorts. And when I, when I started running the restaurant, about a 150 seater restaurant with a bar, there were drug dealers in my bar. They'd been there dealing their drugs, and I essentially told them to leave in less polite language. And for about three, four months, there was a bit of an edgy standoff where they were threatening my life. I, used, I rode a motorbike, of course, then, and uh, when I was shutting up shop, I would put my helmet on. I kept a baseball bat by the side of me because I feared I was going, they were gonna take my life. In the end, there was a standoff where they went and did their business elsewhere, and they brought their wives and girlfriends to eat in our restaurant. We were the family place for them. I've had a colorful life, and these things impact on you, but the answer to that stuff now is just to keep my eyes focused on Jesus. Not to focus on the darkness, but on the light. Taking care of what we look at is important. For in a sense, your your eyes are like car headlights. Imagine being up in the highlands with no street lighting whatsoever and you're in your car and it's the dead of night, the moon's not out, it's a cloudy night, it's really dark and you switch your headlights off. I wouldn't recommend it. You'd lose your way, you'd be off the road. You might end up, even if you can keep yourself on the road, if there was a fork, you might end up going in the wrong direction. If you're, It's like your eyes being headlights. If your eyes are not fixed on the Lord, then they will lead you into the darkness of the world, into trouble in the wrong direction, most likely. Again, this point about eyes and light and dark is again asking, how do we learn to live in the presence of our loving Father now? The third saying is about what is your master? Is it God or mammon, money translated in the NIV? This word mammon you may have heard. Mammon is a way of saying or pulling together, it's not just money, it's, it's wealth, it's possessions, it's, it's property and money in general. And wealth has a really real strong pull in people's lives. It's powerful, very powerful. Money talks, says the comedian, but what it mainly says to me is goodbye. That was a joke. Do you get it? No? But it may say goodbye to many of us, slipping through our fingers, quickly slipping through our fingers as we have to pay bills, keep the car on the road, feed the meter, do whatever we're having to do. But I think what Jesus is saying is money isn't saying goodbye, it's giving the orders. It bosses us around. If wealth and possessions and material things in our lives are a priority, money is bossing us around. But we have to be careful with this as well. Jesus isn't asking us to go to extremes. He's not saying give it all up, forgo everything. Deny all your material needs and concerns. He's also not saying that you shouldn't make provision for future physical need. I mean, if you take that view, that's lacking faith. I mean, Proverbs 6.6 6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Anybody seen the movie Ants? They're storing up stuff for the, for, for the season. They're going out collecting while it's abundant. Consider its ways and be wise. Learning from the ant about future provision is a wise thing to do. Also this saying is not about that you shouldn't go into business or commerce. Again Proverbs 31, 10 to 31, go look it up. It's a story of the virtuous wife and her business sense. Or well, think about Job. He kind of lost everything, but also got it all back. Job was a wealthy man. Or Jesus commenting about business practices, banking, when he tells the parable of the talents. This passage about God and money is also not saying that wealthy folk have bowed their knee to God. If you're rich, you, you must bow at the money God, and you, you cannot know God, and therefore follow Jesus. Jesus. There's There's rich people in the Bible. Think of Abraham, Job, I've already mentioned, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He didn't give it all away, he gave half of it away. Still had plenty left. So the principle isn't about wealth in and of itself. But it's about where your priority lies. Is wealth, mammon your God? Is it success and self first before Jesus? So again, this passage is about how we learn to live in the presence of the loving Father. Now, that's what counts. Now, that's easy to say, you might think. If you've got money, but if you're struggling to pay the rent, put money in the meter, feed the bands, whatever it is, well, of course, money's going to be a fixation. I need a pound just to get me to the end of the day. So of course it can be a great worry. So what about the next section of our reading where it says, don't worry, don't be anxious. Again, that's another easy thing to say. Slightly harder to not worry. But let's take Jesus as our example. I contend when you read the four Gospels in their entirety Jesus was basically a happy, joyful guy. Uh, Sure, he went through strife. It was even prophesied he would, Isaiah 53. He says Jesus would be despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. And that he would take up our pain and bear our sufferings. So yes, Jesus suffered. He suffered pain, he suffered grief. He shed tears at the death of his friend Lazarus. He shed tears of blood in the garden of Gethsemane before his father. Take this cup from me, if you will, but not my will, but yours. And of course, ultimately, he took the sin of humanity, the burden of that sin upon himself on the cross. Yet I contend, still, even in all of that suffering, Jesus exudes a a personality of calm happiness. He speaks of not worrying because he knows what's coming and he's still not worrying. He's saying look at the birds. Look at the birds and God's provision for them. They do nothing. God provided to two crows this morning outside the church. We cleared it up before you arrived. If you see lots of pigeon feathers round. In fact, sorry Lord, we took that provision away from those two crows who were enjoying a hearty meal. But I don't think it was a particularly pleasant sight for you to see this morning. God provides. Look at the beauty of the flowers in the field, the wonder of nature. All provided by God. And better than the most wondrous and best dressed bejeweled person in the world. He talks about Solomon. And isn't that true? Watch any nature documentary on National Geographic or the oodles of ones narrated by David Attenborough. And the beauty of God's created earth just jumps out from the screen. Beautiful. God's goodness as a creator and provider, I say, is not in doubt. It's not in doubt. What is in doubt is humanity's ability to steward it well. We worry we don't have enough. When actually we do. I would argue it's not equally spread around the world. There are countries that have great abundance and there are countries that have less. And where there is great abundance there will be those people who wish to accumulate and amass as much as they can, whether they're impacting the world or their fellow human beings. But the trouble with that is it takes your gaze from God. When we start to look at accumulating, we are looking at something other than God. And so when we worry about provision, We are not trusting God. After the analogy of the uh, birds and the flowers, Jesus says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And isn't worry always either about the future or the past? You're there going, oh, should I have done that? Did I say the wrong thing? Or maybe I shouldn't have bought that oh you know looking back everything's great in hindsight Emma knows that not personally through me I'm always going maybe we should have she says hindsight's my best friend it's easy to make uh, judgments when you look back but you worry about it and if you're not worrying about the past then it's the future oh what's going to happen If we start worrying about the past and the future, we are removing our gaze from the present moment and therefore God. And this passage is all about the present. It's learning to live in the presence of the loving Father. You're getting this message. It keeps coming up on the screen, the same words. It's about learning to live in the presence and the present of God. It isn't that food and clothes and material needs don't matter. Of course they do. It's not an a call to be in an ascetic life like a monk. But it's rather asking what your main concentration in life is. What's the first thing? If we make the world and what it can give us, what we can extract from it, then the first thing will be, that will be the first thing that features in our life. And it won't be God. If we focus on other stuff, we don't leave space for God. But if we get God in first place, guess what? We get the world too. You put the world first, you shut out God. You get God first, you get Him plus the world. How? By faith. By faith. Jesus says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, so he's been talking about the flowers and how beautiful they are in the grass, but they'll wither and die and they'll be gone, will he not much more clothe you? And then those four words, you of little faith. He isn't saying they don't have faith, that their faith is absent He's rather saying they have a deficiency of faith. It's lacking. And why? Because they're looking elsewhere. Might believe in God, might be a follower of Yahweh, but are they really putting their wholehearted trust in him? He's saying it's a simple lack of trust, a simple lack of faith. So what do we do? What's the answer? We seek. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does that mean? Well, it's not like a game of hide and seek, you know. You're going to be playing that again with the young people when it gets dark. The young people coming into the church, they play hide and seek in this huge building. It's not like that. The kingdom isn't hidden. Jesus has come, Jesus has made it known, and it's freely available. What it means to seek the kingdom, it's not playing hide and seek, it's not hidden, it's to make central the seeking of God's righteousness daily in your lives. It's not even about seeking salvation, because salvation for the believer is, that's assured already if you, if you know Jesus as your saviour and Lord. Salvation is sorted. Your faith is there. It's, it's continuing to have that faith that God is holding your life. It's about seeking the kingdom of God here on earth. And it would, it's about seeking or attempting to find increasing perfection through God the Father by increasing acts of kindness, righteous kindness in the world. How do we learn to live in the presence of the loving Father? By always making him our priority. Knowing his sacrificial love and then loving others out of our hearts. It's not easy to achieve. It's not, but that's the goal. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that to seek you is not difficult. We find you in the words of the gospel, in our church, in our fellow brothers and sisters. the light you bring into our lives through our eyes father we pray that you would keep our minds our eyes our hearts focused on you that you would be the first thing of all first things always and every day father may we as a church as a collective body seek you seek your kingdom seek to be kingdom servants to be righteous in your eyes And Father, give to us all the provision we need. Not what we want, but what we need to serve you well. To serve our families well. To serve our community well. Be with us today. Be with us this day. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday podcast from our team at GMC Dunfermline, Scotland. If you'd like more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, then visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook or look back at some of our videos on our YouTube channel. Just search for Gillespie Memorial Church. All inquiries can be made through the contact us page on our website by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a financial donation, then offerings can be made by clicking the Support Us With Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production of GMC, including the pastors and the tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Barbara Ann Hoey, and the soundtrack is Up To The Mood by Tree. Thank you for listening, and God bless.